0: Field and Company live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Welcome on board Reno, ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno. Will Ramirez, Cofield, hanging out at Twin Peaks. Monday Night Football party is on the way. It's Bears and Patriots. We'll get some gambling advice from John Von Tobel from Veasan in about 45 minutes. Adam Hill, Raiders beat writer. He is with us from the Las Vegas Review Journal, of course part of Cofield and Company. Let's do it. Big four time.
1: Battleborne injury lawyers
0: presents the big four at four.
1: Number four.
0: All right, around the NFL, what is this weird story, Willie? NFL reviewing refs. Was someone was a referee looking for an autograph from Mike two? Evans? Yeah, two
2: of them. There were two referees that approached Mike Evans and called him out. You could hear it, I guess. Um, Jeff Lambert and Trip Sutter calling his name out to go get autographs. And there's strict rules, just like there is for the media, where you you uh, it is prohibited. You cannot uh, approach player, coach, NFL team personnel, anyone for autographs because it obviously gives the appearance of partiality. That's not why they don't. Add, well, I guess. Th- to a degree that's why they don't want the media to they don't want you you know you're supposed to be there objectively so now the nfl is investigating they've launched an investigation because the video has been leaked um and the cba between the nfl and the nfl referees association uh it says it allows officials to seek autographs team merchandise memorabilia for charitable endeavors but those requests must be made through the league's officiating department, not in person. So go up to the PR person. Here's what I'm doing. They get it handled. Then it gets turned over for memorabilia.
3: Yeah, it's bad. It's really, it's really bad. And, and talking about it doesn't even do it justice. You have to watch the video. It's, it's awful. And and look, one of the one of the officials, one of the officials is appears to be in his last year. I think it's like his 21st year on the job. He's probably done. And he's like, hey, what do I have to lose? I'm I'm moving on. Oh well, bro. Like, sorry, you don't get to do this. This is not why, you have a, why you're have, why you on the field. It's not why you're around them. You're not there to get, you know, pictures and autographs and all these things. And mm-hmm. uh, I've heard media people say the same thing. What does it matter? Uh, well, it matters. It matters. You can't do it. And, and, and this one, dude, he lost. He may have cost the team the game with that dropped pass. What are you doing? And it's in the tunnel. And Evans has his head down, walking by, obviously angry and upset with himself and his team and everything else. He's like, hey, Mike, Mike, hey, over here, Mike. Like, wh- what? <laughs> was, was that the accent, too? Yeah, I know, I'm making it. I love I mean, it. No, it's that's a good one. Generic white referee dude accent. From, Sounded, from New York. Yeah. On the East Coast, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was – I got infuriated watching the video. I watched well, I like knew you times. would. That's it's, why we put in the rundown. It's unbelievable. But, hey, look, I, I'm also not that surprised. Yep. Like, I mean, uh, like, watch officials. They don't know what they're doing. Maybe they are just there to get autographs.
0: Who knows? And, and there are guys who are too palsy with the players.
3: Of course there is. I,
0: I still 1,000% believe Cam Newton when he said that uh, Muscle Man, whatever the hell his name is, his son is repping now. Hockley? Yeah, Hockley said, dropped a line on him about a call, and he's like, he's like, you know, Tom Brady gets that call. You don't get that call yeah. yet, Cam.
3: And, and the NFL was like, nope, nope, nothing, no, no evidence, nothing, wouldn't do well, that. Okay. How often do we see it on – you know, like the hidden camera shows, like behind the NFL, yep. and they're on the field. Hey, time. Tommy, what's up, buddy? Like, no. And before the game, yep. All Un- the time. Unreal, man. It's- You're a machine. Don't yep. talk to players. Yep, robots. Robot umps, robot officials. as what we need.
0: Number three. That was me as the uh, head of officiating. I know.
3: You're a machine.
0: No conversations. Man, this division has gotten crazy in the AFC West. I, I think it's clear the Chiefs have a chance to run away with things but the other three teams, I have no idea where they're gonna finish. I still don't think the Broncos are dead in the water. They need Russell Wilson back. Uh, the Raiders have a chance here to make some moves. The Chargers were terrible yesterday. Seattle is improved, but their run defense was gross against Kenneth Walker. They're beat to hell. They can't run between the tackles. Lombardi did it again. Their OC did it again on a fourth and short. Stop running
2: Eckler between the tackles.
0: It's just stupid. It's stupid. But their O-lines beat the hell, and you know what? I'll say it because no one else will. Herbert's either hurt or he's regressed a little bit. He did not have a good game yesterday. He was all over the place throwing the ball, threw the ball into jeopardy multiple times. They're not good right now.
3: Well, it's a little bit of ball. I mean, I think, look, we, we talked about the regression that was coming because the underlying numbers suggested regression was coming, but he's definitely hurt. I mean, he's he's broken, been hurt. He's broken rib cartilage. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, he's hurt. And, and I do. I think sometimes that affects not only your play, but it does – and we're, I'm not going to excuse the play calling because it's it's been what it's been regardless of injury status. But I think when you're looking out there and saying, okay, we've got a quarterback with broken rib cartilage, we might have a better chance of running the ball on fourth down than we do throwing it on fourth down. And so it kind of gets in your mind a little bit when you probably should be throwing it or spreading it out or doing something different or at least trying to get outside. Like how – what was more effective for them, running between the tackles for a yard, or just tossing it out to Eckler for on a throw for a yard? Because they threw it to him fourteen times, I think. So just do that again.
2: I yeah, uh, Herbert's been injured. There's no there's no getting around that. And now they're just suffering more injuries. I mean, it's just a travesty to see. I mean, the number of injuries we've been you hear injuries all week. This is going to sound. I don't know. This may sound pretty bad. <laughs> Of everything that happened yesterday when we're looking at the injury reports, right, everybody that got hurt, I was almost glad that, gosh, at least we, we didn't hear about a concussion. I mean, we there were – I think there was one. But we were going through weeks where we're hearing multitudes of concussions. But now you see an ACL here, an ankle there, or this, that. I mean, but the Chargers got the brunt of it. Yes, they got they got yeah, some pretty bad ones, some
0: big names. But Mike, I, Mike I, Williams' ankle, he's down for a couple J.C. Of weeks. J.C. Jackson's and, down
2: for the season, it looks like.
0: Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. J. C. Jackson is down for the season. Well, and we're, really, we're also really forgetting. vicious injury with a dislocated
3: ankle. Oh, and I, it was ugly. It's an obvious one, but everybody knows it. But just to point it out again, Keenan Allen hasn't played since the first quarter of Week One. Yeah. So I mean that, that that's been a massive loss for them as well.
0: He was in there yesterday, forty-five plays. Yeah, actually a little. Was less he now less than that? <laughs> was he? Well, he wasn't one hundred percent. Yeah, 15,
2: 15 <laughs> rushes, fifty-three yards uh, for the Chargers or the that's rushing
3: I, game. It's what I did when I got home last night, and I went back and watched the Chargers game. Yeah. And i like, why Why was he out there? I mean, I, I, I guess it was because they've got all these other injuries. They're trying to get him out there. They've got a bye week coming up. He could not run. He couldn't get open. There was no separation. Why was he playing? What time did you leave last night? About oh, 930. I
1: don't know. It's late. Number two.
0: Uh, O-line for the Raiders. Was that the biggest part of Josh Jacobs' day, or did Jacobs kind of fulfill the lion's share of the duties? Because I looked at – The PFF rankings for this one, PFF rankings for this one. Munford actually had a really good game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the other guys were just – Alex Bars is – ooh, he's struggling. Um, And Parham was just okay, and James was just okay. So, what do you think?
2: I thought there was a good question in the press conference to Josh Jacobs that that he does a good job of creating and making things happen on his own. But it is the first time – you know, the the first five games, they had different lineups. Yesterday was the second straight – um, the so exact same starting uh, five. I think that they're progressing. I don't think they're an outstanding unit just yet. But I also want to point out that they were going against the third worst rushing defense yeah. in the league.
3: Yeah, I think coming in, everybody kind of expected, hey, they'll be able to run the ball. The one question was, could they finish drives in the red zone? Because they can't. And the Texans are very, very good at stopping teams once they get there. But yesterday, the Raiders were able to finish drives. And I think that was the biggest difference for sure. The run game was going to work. Raiders can run the ball. Texans can't stop it. That was going to work. Uh, but, yeah, let's let's give a little bit of credit to the offensive line. And I think uh, the other one is the fullback, Jakob Johnson. Uh, also, you know, Foster Morrow. Uh, even, you know, other guys who were in the jumbo package a little bit. So Illuminor went out with an injury. Montford was playing that extra eligible receiver role and then he slid over and played right tackle. Uh, All those guys, Jesper Horstead even was in there a little bit blocking. It's everyone blocking, working together. Jacobs was, I believe it was well over 100 yards before contact yesterday. So Jacobs is a guy that can can run and finish and get two, three yards every time after contact, but he didn't have to yesterday. Like, the holes were just there. They were wide open. And so I think that was a a full team effort in the run game, not just a – josh jacobs dominating and it because it, it does bring up the point i mean this is a much larger issue but this is a contract season for josh jacobs mm. and a lot of people are saying wow he's playing his way to a bigger contract with the raiders not with no. the raiders no, no that ain't happening no he's, he's playing his way out of las vegas not into las vegas is what's happening right now and
2: he's gonna cost somebody some money the way he's playing yeah.
0: you think there'll be another team that will throw him 11 or 12 a year
3: yes yeah and i don't think the raiders will there's, there's good, a reason they drafted two running backs in the draft and brought in other bodies to play in the backfield. That's what they believe in.
2: They, There are 31 coaches out there, and there there are a handful that are completely going to be centering their offense around the rushing game and, and, and going to want to invest, just like the Raiders during the offseason invested in Devontae Adams. When you see these big offseason acquisitions, there's going to be somebody that's going to say, look at the capabilities of this guy. He just finished his fifth season. He's got plenty of life left in him, and he knows what he's doing. Let's invest in him.
1: Number one. So,
0: Jacobs was awesome. We mentioned a lot of the numbers. Three straight games with 100 yards or more, and in this case, you're talking 143 or more. Last guy to do that was uh, Napoleon Kaufman in 97. Bo Jackson did it in 90. Hell, Marcus Allen had 11 straight 100-yard games. Back in 85 into 86. So, Jacobs has been just dynamite. Give me something else in the game that you are really impressed by, Willie. I was impressed by, I think,
2: the thing that stood out to me was that the Houston Texans, for as bad as they have been, probably one of their lone things they can hang their hat on is that their red zone defense was actually pretty good, top five in the NFL. The Raiders had the worst red zone offense in terms of touchdown conversion. They went three for three, and now going into tonight, they're ranked 15th or 16th. So, I mean, they've they've jumped a little bit by going three for three, but the worst red zone defense going against a very good one, to me that stood out that they finished their drives.
3: Uh, Well, I'll, I'll just give one that's related to the run game getting going did you see Derek Carr's numbers on play action passes yesterday my goodness 9 of 10 for 116 yards on play action passes he's 21 of 27 overall uh so an efficient game uh but 9 of 10 on play action that is what that is what the benefit of the run game is to me like the run game is there's still some things that are overrated about running the ball sometimes uh, but it's effective for this team, and it, what can really do is absolutely open up some lanes for you in the play-action game, and 9 of 10 for 116 yards is very impressive, very efficient for the Raiders.
0: I thought it was impressive that when it counted the most in the fourth quarter, let's not jerk around, close out the game, drop the hammer, pick six time. Here was Devonte Adams talking about uh, finishing off the game have come a long way with that. Obviously, that's the reason why we're in this position uh, record-wise right now. It's not because, you know, we're just goofballs and getting blown out every game, but we've been in those – we've had a shot at a lot of these games, pretty much all of these games at the end, and uh, just didn't really pull it off. And, uh, you know, it's showing the growth that we have. Great coaches that that are, you know, locking us in on on some of the details that get us to where we can come out here and perform like that, um, especially late. And uh, just got to keep that going. Yeah, I heard you guys talking to Hunter Renfro as well, and Renfro said, listen, you know, in the past – we, you know, this could be a game we'd go to overtime. Something would happen. It'd be close, and he he said it. He's like, we don't win a lot of games in the last couple of years by double digits. We did it.
3: Yeah, I, and a lot of the guys talked about the same thing. I mean, they were asked about it, so that's where they talked about it. But um, yeah, I thought, I, hopefully you didn't hear my chuckle there. I was standing right next to Devante when he said "goofballs." I just thought that was a funny a funny part of his quote. Everyone
0: thinks we're goofballs because <laughs> yeah, we're because we're not winning games. No, we didn't. Laughing. We didn't think you were goofballs.
3: <laughs> no, so it was a. Uh, uh, I, I, thought, I thought really you know, obviously a different feeling in the locker room yesterday than it has been most games when they lose and uh, nobody wants to talk or say anything. I thought there was a lot, a lot of good stuff there. And uh, yeah, it, it was a, a good win all around. I think they did a lot of really good things that made everybody feel you know, more, more comfortable.
0: Big 4 4 is presented by Battlemore Injury Lures in Reno and Las Vegas. 766-1400 is the call from anywhere in Nevada number. 766-1400. Mills
1: running out of time and goes down. Chandler Jones, Cleland Furl. It's Cofield
0: and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Greg Gumbel, CBS on the call there. How about that, guys? Cleve Furrell and Chandler Jones, both combining for a sack. That was cool. Both their first sack of the season.
3: Yeah. Very key time of the game, too. <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> well. It wasn't. Yeah. For those that were watching, yes, it was the Texans got the ball with 20 seconds left in the first half. We're going to try to take a shot deep if they could. Uh, And then as they rolled out, just kind of decided out we're not going to take a chance, and they just ate the ball, and Cleaveral and Chandler Jones combined for a sack. But is it the kind of thing that gets them going? Maybe. It is the kind of thing that another team maybe just looks at the stat sheet and says, yeah, we'll give up a pick for Cleaveral because it sounds like he is on the trading block for this week. So that happens.
0: What do you think of Carr?
3: General yesterday. mixed bag, yesterday. No, I, I, he was efficient. Okay, I, I think that's the best way to say it. I think he, was, he had a very efficient game. We talked about how successfully was in the play action. Uh, he didn't take too many chances. He came out with a clear. The game plan was clear early. Throw the ball to Devonte Adams three times. His first three throws all to Devonte. Then he forgot about him for a while, and then he hit him in a couple of spots when they really needed him. But um, I, I think he made the throws he needed to make. Wasn't? Didn't blow anybody away. Uh, but did what he had to do. I, I thought it was an efficient performance.
0: Willie?
2: I think he played the role of manager well. I think that Josh Jacobs was the star. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the play calling helped him out a little bit. It, it, he, he, The trickery, like we mentioned early earlier, um, once good, I wasn't a fan of go, keeping going back to that same play. I don't know how you felt, Adam, but I think that after the, the one to DJ Turner worked, then the next time I looked at Paul, and I was like, dude, they've got this play figured out. Why do you keep doing that? And then I was explaining to Steve that I didn't think that the trickery, um, especially the one where he pitched it back and he came over, I think he was setting him up. He was going to get injured. I mean, it's it's once, it's twice. it's But I, overall, I just think the car managed the game well. I tend to wonder if uh, – Mills had an overall better quarterbacking day. Oh,
3: no. Davis Mills stinks. He stunk yesterday. He's not a good player. He he took advantage of a depleted secondary for sure for a while where guys were just running wide open. And every once in a while he'll make a throw and you're like, "Oh wow, he actually is an NFL quarterback." Nah. But not a good one. That guy he, he I didn't What, say what, was what a good we saw was the the second half was Davis Mills. Davis Mills stinks.
2: He's a bad quarterback. Yes. yes. He's awful. As far as yesterday's game is concerned, just delving into the numbers, with what Carr did. He managed the game better. And and, and they were both going against – you mentioned, I mean, he's throwing against a depleted secondary. I mentioned earlier, Carr's going up against a horrible defensive front. So
3: uh, – I, I will say this. I, I figured Davis Mills would do something. I picked him up in a couple of fantasy leagues and started him yesterday because his situation was so good. Mm. I mean, coming off a bye, playing against that defense, again – I don't but think that's what I we're, talking. we're talking about. We're talking about this game.
2: I didn't say Davis sure. Mills is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. Sure, he never said he, that. He
3: had a lot more opportunities than what his stats would indicate. He should have had a much better game than he had. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, and 41 did. attempts.
3: A lot of throws were there, and he wasn't able to make them. Um, it just it wasn't a good effort by him yesterday at all.
2: 28 of 41, 302 yards, two touchdowns, and then he throws the pick six, of course, that ices the game. Deron Harmon
0: gave you and I the yeah. fantastic
3: there's a lot more there, too. But, yeah. Yes.
0: By the way, your boys at PFF actually have Davis Mills about five spots ahead of Derek Carr on the season.
2: Yeah. Doesn't mean he's a better quarterback. Again, we go back with this great thing. You, two, You, you the both of you love well, that no.
3: thing. Did, did anybody argue that Derek Carr is having a good season? No. Okay, I, no, we didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: I
0: don't know why he came up with that one. No, Willie's well, said, just, Will, Will, is, no, Will, just very anti PFF.
3: I no, I'm I, not, heard the, I heard the discussion it, on the way over. I'm not anti PFF. Oh, you're a pro, pro pro
2: football reference. I'm not anti PFF. Pro the I'm, eye test. I'm, I'm anti, I'm anti you're like relying on it, calling it the Bible, just like calling all these other sites the Bible. That's it. We're going to go right to that, and that's it. No. Sometimes the eye test is better. That's how I feel.
0: Hunter Renfro, after the game, talked about. Running the ball and getting out of uh, getting the Texans out of what they were trying to do on defense. Anytime you can run the ball, it helps. You know, helps on the back end, help you know throw the football. And so uh, Josh was running really well, and it opened up some things. And coach did a good job of you know calling some plays. So uh, yeah, you said it. You said it best. Get them out of that shell and worked out. Yeah, Mark McMillan was at the game. He's working for uh, for us on Cofield Company and also uh, 8 News Now. And he said the Texans secondary is playing too high safety, forcing Carr to check down. Middle of the field is wide open. They should exploit that more. And Eric Allen responded by saying, "Gotta run them out of that too high." What were they playing on defense?
3: Early, they they just had. It, it's this it's this on ongoing kind of discussion about you know how teams are approached, and it was obviously very popular with what like the Chiefs have been doing, where you just have two deep safeties, and you know you're it, it's it's much easier to just keep everything in front of you. It's very tough to throw, especially downfield against it. Uh, when they're playing that way, you've got to just take everything underneath and just kind of move the ball down the field slowly. And if you were able to run the ball effectively, like the Raiders were doing, you can't play that anymore. You've got to bring one of those safeties up in the box, which is what a lot of teams do anyway. Like, the, you know, the Raiders with Jonathan Abram of, often plays close to, close to the box. Mm. Uh, but you just, you can't let teams just sit in that too high against you if you want to throw the ball downfield at all. So they had to get them out of it, and they, they did. The good I, – I
2: and it makes sense. The good thing, I think, for the Raiders – because if it doesn't work and they really want to challenge it, I think they got two fantastic guys that can go up against double coverage. We saw it yesterday because we saw Mac Hollins split defenders and take the ball in as he got crunched in the end zone. But Devontae Adams or Mac Hollins, I think, I'm not saying all the time, but in a situation, could take on two defenders. What do you uh, What do you think of
0: Renfro?
3: I think he's still finding his legs a little bit, but I, he made a couple of really nice plays. For sure,
2: did you did you did you hold your breath? A couple of hits that he took. There was one he took. The first hit he took looked horrendous. Yeah, it was
3: bad. It looked bad for sure. Yeah, but he like you know I, I think he's a guy that's taken a lot of hits in his career. Yeah, and but it was his head. Yeah, yeah. But his again, his head. Like he's been back for a while from that. and Then he got the hip injury this week. They had the bye week. There was a lot of there's been a lot of time, but I think there is still always those you know those moments where like ah and it it. It doesn't help, you know, that he's a little tiny guy out there. And, you're like, he looks like a little kid playing. He said, like, no, oh, you don't want that kid to get hit and lit up like that. But, uh, yeah, he's tough. And he's, he's going to get through those things. I, I'm the, I don't want to go too far inside, you know, inside the game a little bit. But uh, I, I talked to Devontae Adams about this yesterday as well. There was a moment late in the game. It actually was a huge moment because the Raiders had 3rd and 11. They got – 10 yards on third and 11 to set up a fourth and one so they could go for it where he caught the ball it would have been like a fourth and four or five where they couldn't have gone for it and I asked him about that after the game getting those four extra yards somehow finding space to operate no way couldn't get to the first down marker but even those three or four little extra yards and he talked about that saying you know when you have that shell defense and they're playing deep on you you're gonna have to make catches and find ways to get where you want to go like you're not going to be able to throw the ball downfield against it but you've got to find ways to steal those yards and he called it scraping the pot which I know you appreciate as somebody who is uh you know uh, loves the the poor cooking where you just scrape everything you can out of the pot and get every every little every little bit of stew out of there you got to deglaze he about that yesterday it. you got to deglaze it right
0: oh, I had a salad today Every piece of
3: lettuce out of Tupperware. I was scoop, scooping, scooping it. Scoop, yeah. I think I left so a you, couple pieces there. You, um, got to, you got to just throw some. Keep some in the bag and throw them out.
2: Before we uh, move on from the Raiders, we do need to acknowledge the most important part of post game yesterday. Um,
3: With Devontae in the
2: tunnel. No, I was going to say the cameraman that got caught just strolling oh, yeah. across the logo, the entire room. Like, there's been guys <laughs> the that you Raiders call, call employee, other people. Yeah.
0: Can you explain this to the Reno audience that didn't hear this early in the season?
2: Adam, you
3: do it There's better. a giant logo on the floor in the locker room. like There is in every locker room in Major League Sports. Uh, but it is new kind of Las Vegas, so nobody really knew. And a couple of people walked over the logo, which means you have to do push-ups, whether it's in the practice facility or the game facility at, at Allegiant. And uh, it's many, most people have been trained now, so nobody's doing it. But there was t- two team employees that just team. casually strolled right across oh, it. Wow. It actually ruined – it ruined the interviews a lot. Of, like, if yes. I, I don't know if you if had the, the Duran Harmon one where everybody's screaming. And yeah. he's like, sorry, guys. And he's trying to scream in our microphones. Everybody's like, push up, push up. Like, all right, the settle down. The entire Raider but, locker room in unison. Push up. Push, but, let's go, push ups. Also, did you see Devontae enter the tunnel, though? No. When Devontae left, entered the tunnel to leave the field, he stopped. And he's like, he looked around and said, everybody's good? Everybody's good? Everybody's out of the way? Okay. And then he went through. <laughs> Yeah. I think if yeah. I'm not mistaken, I gotta go. I was wondering
2: why. I think Keviny e. Martin from Channel Eight had that maybe on her Instagram. I gotta go back and look. I wasn't. I just figured she was getting them coming off. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah.
0: no shoving here. Yeah, I was having a lot of trouble with the uh, TV wires on the field in Notre Dame. It's a very <laughs> small sideline, um, and the man, those, those wires are everywhere. I just feel like I'm gonna get caught up. And then at one point, I did bump into a cameraman, and I just kind of. Just kind of shouldered a little bit and just walked away.
3: I was listening to your report on, uh, on Rex. It was a good one. Sad one. Well, good, it sucks. Good report, yeah. good report though. I just,
0: it's like I'm the jinx. I did a whole thing on Rex Goose and the long snapper, a whole piece on his great comeback, and then two quarters into the game, he gets his left leg sandwiched somehow, and then. So, not good. Football's a rough game, man. Football's a rough game. We were talking about J.C. Jackson earlier. Uh, the SO, my girlfriend, you know, is a gigantic Chargers fan, and, you know, she's beside herself with all the freaking injuries. And I swear. I'm up working for like an hour and a half this morning, and I hear her calling from the bedroom, and she's like, "Come here, I got to show you something." And then she's like, "J.C. Jackson's not out the whole season." That was <laughs> the update this morning, and then I looked this afternoon, out for the whole season. So sorry, sorry. Uh, I just by, to... by the, which by the way, we should also throw out sorry, but I was kind of feeling good, you know, through the middle of the uh, Jets game. I'm like, this is kind of cool. They're going to be five and two. Good stuff. That uh, Brees Hall torn ACL after the year. Like, come on,
3: Brees lightning.
0: Brees Lightning. Brees Lightning. Breece Lightning, yep, but down for the year. So injuries can change everything. And Willie was saying earlier that right now the Raiders are in pretty decent shape.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, Nate Hobbs is a huge loss. Yeah. And you saw it yesterday show up a little bit. But uh, yeah, uh, it sounded like there wasn't too much coming out of yesterday. Jermaine Luminar got hurt. It uh, doesn't sound long term, but. Uh, Nate Hobbs is the real issue right now and he's on IR
0: It's Nevada Sports Talk Hour with Cofield and Company on ESPN Reno and ESPN Las Vegas back in a few getting ready for Monday Night Football here at Twin Peaks Brady
3: fires downfield and the pass is bobbled and dropped
1: by Mike Evans
3: would have had an easy touchdown oh my goodness you never see him do that
0: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Kenny Halbert on the call there on Fox with Johnny Vilma, Tom E. Brady, and Mikey Evans. Did not connect. No. That was terrible. It was a good throw. It was That was a good throw. He's having a lot of trouble, but that was bad. That was real bad by Mike Evans. and Upset, big-time upset. We're going to talk about Survivor. And just a little bit, all these survivor contests. You knew immediately Bucks lose as a 13.5-point favorite. That was going to destroy a lot of survivor cards. Uh, real quick question before we get to a couple of notes about VGK. Potts texted before the show, Check that, tweeted before the show. Do you see anything on the trade market that the Raiders potentially are going to work? What can they add? Draft picks? Okay. You don't want to add? You don't think they should add?
3: I don't think they will. Right. It's possible if there's a guy they identify or, you know, I know that they're talking every day. They're looking through every every team's roster, all the practice squads. They, they, they're they thorough about looking at guys, but I, I think they would be very selective. Um, I mean, last week, look, I, I had numerous fan questions. Are they going to trade for McCaffrey? Why?
0: It's not, it's not their thing. Now
3: let's add another running anyway. back. Why?
0: Yeah. The money, and they don't really – not that they don't value the position. They think the position can be filled with good values.
2: Sure.
3: And, and they just drafted two running backs.
2: Now, at the beginning of the season when we talked about, you know, well, come draft time, but, you know, we all probably would have said an offensive lineman. At this point where do you think like where would be the surprise Oh,
3: I would I would add a right tackle, I would add a corner with Nate Hobbs at three and three especially. i say defense secondary, yeah. Um I mean that's where I would look and I'm, you know, I oh, safety Defensive <laughs> back, struggling, secondary. Uh, I, I mean, there's a couple spots where I would say, yeah. Uh, if there's a guy available and it's not going to cost you a whole lot, if a team is dissatisfied or out of the race and they've got a guy they want to give you that will play the rest of the year for a six-round pick, something like that. Yeah, sure.
2: If they're going to deal Abram or Farrell,
0: I think that they go for maybe one guy. But I think you're right. I think they got to stack picks. Golden night, seven o'clock start tonight. Maple Leafs in town. Castle, big night. Yeah. Big night tonight, big night tomorrow. Uh, on his way
2: to the Iron Man streak, 989 consecutive games. He'll tie the record tonight, snap it tomorrow in San Jose.
3: Unless he gets hurt tonight.
2: Unless he gets hurt. Way to James. Protect. protect why, would you, why would you even say that? Protect Phil at all costs. Put, put that in the universe. How about they just drop the puck, he starts, comes off, and then doesn't serve another shift?
3: Well, I, I was actually I was told by somebody who follows very closely that even if he say he tore his ACL tonight, that they would do that tomorrow.
2: Drop him, but yeah. Let him start and then get off. Yeah, yeah. He could just he could be far down by the bench. Drop it, boom, jump off.
3: So uh, look, it, it's a really, really impressive freak um, to play that many games in a row in, in hockey, in hockey, yeah. yeah, and not get hurt. And by the way, also be a guy that everybody says is out of shape and doesn't care about his body and all those things. Okay, okay. You think so? Yep. Yeah, and doesn't isn't it something like
2: the next person in line? Like it's going to take a long time to oh, yeah. even
3: match that, and nobody will. It's just it's not a thing that happens. Nobody plays every game every year like this. It's incredible. Now, obviously, they want more production out of him for sure, uh, but right now, uh, to to be able to, to do this, to be available, what what's the cliche? Your best ability is your availability. Well, he's been available every single night. <laughs> For the last, you know, twelve years, whatever it is,
2: it's uh, and what's kind of cool is we won't see the record broke broken tonight, but we'll see it tied. Is two huge games played records have had, Vegas has had something to do with it because Patrick Marleau, remember, he played skated in his one thousand seven hundred sixty eighth game, broke Gordie Howe's record for most games played in the NHL history, and now tonight, Phil Kessel will tie
0: consecutive games played streak. I don't think Willie knew about the uh, the fitness angle. I called Phil Kessel Fat Phil during the break, and he was like, "Who? Like, Lo- yeah, loves yeah. hot dogs. Loves loves hot dogs." So you know, I, I was fired up. When so you he... automatically call him Fat Phil? Well, that that's his nickname. That has been his nickname. It's Cofield and Company with Battleborne Sports Hour, presented by Battleborne Injury Lawyers. Give him a call anywhere in Nevada 766-1400 JBT Gambling on the way.
1: Series. It's Cofield
0: and Company's Eye on Sports Betty with John Von Tobel. V Von Sins, John Von Tobel is in with us. Phillies Radio Network on the home run call by Hoskins. Of course, Bryce Harper had the, uh, the big one. And then uh, Brees Lightning, eye and Eagle, CBS on the call as uh, then Brees goes down with a torn ACL. So we'll talk about the Jets. It sucks. Believe me, I'm not being. Uh, flippant about it it blows a uh, good young rookie player Jets fans can't have anything nice uh, John first of all on baseball and I know uh, you know you've expressed your feelings about baseball in the playoffs are you fired up about the World Series and do we go with the obvious pick here is
1: that Astros minus 180 for the series yes yeah, so I kind of think so like they think they're accurately priced the Astros they, they just seem complete right Steve like their pitching staff is insanely deep their bullpen is solid their lineup Uh, is essentially one through nine, like not one through nine exactly, but it's an extremely deep lineup to the point. Like uh, it is hard, I think, to find weaknesses in Houston. I I think the only thing that you're running for if you're backing Philly uh, is the fact that these bats are going to stay hot and they're going to be able to get them out of some of these and just win some high-scoring affairs like they have done throughout this entire postseason. I think that would be a fair assessment, but this Astros team is just so impressive from top to bottom. Everywhere you look, I would have a hard time Uh, really making a case for Philadelphia. I I really like this Astros team, you know, outside of like the city they represent and the franchise they represent and being an Angels fan, seeing them in the division, all those things. Yes.
0: Uh, Staying in the Northeast with sports, good starts for both the Giants and the Jets. We keep talking about this every week. They keep rolling. Uh, ATS on the season, Giants surprising people, 6-1. Now they go to take on Seattle. They're getting three. What do you think of this one?
1: Man, I, I don't even know what to do anymore. <laughs> so, hey, like, week, right? Look, so, like, last week, right? So, like, for example, right? Like, And this last week actually wasn't the best example of it. But if you've gone through these few games for the New York Giants, like, they've kind of been getting away with murder. I would argue that this win uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars Was one of the few, dare I say, like legitimate victories? Because if you're looking at it, like they matched them in first downs, they converted 50% of their third downs, at 436 yards over six yards per play, like they were really solid. Big difference was the turnover battle, right? They they recover a lost fumble, the only turnover on the day. Also, they do not commit 13 penalties, which is what Jacksonville did, and so that makes the difference. So, like I I actually bet against the Giants this last week because I figured that they were due for some regression, given that this team statistically and throughout the entire season that they've ripped off these wins uh, they have been somewhat fraudulent in doing so and then they get their first like legitimate victory of the season so I would say like big picture look is this six and one team uh, should they be power rated and or considered as serious as some of the other six and one teams that we have seen in the in the past I would say no absolutely not I think that's very fair and then you get to go on the road against Seattle and finally Seattle seems to be getting some respect right they get a big win over the Los Angeles Chargers before when they're sitting at home they're underdogs in multiple spots, and yet now here <clears throat> it's a situation in which the market has finally flipped a little bit in Seattle's direction. So I would say, like, look, is maybe the market still a little too low on New York given the fact that this Seahawks team, which is not power-rated very highly, is laying three? Probably. But they, they just have the profile of the team I want to play against, you know what I mean? But it just hasn't worked out. And can I also add, by the way, because I'm someone, Steve, I bet the Giants over their win total of seven. I'm one win away already from yeah. pushing this win Incredible. total, but I have no idea how they have gotten here.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if you're going to get that this week. I tend to agree with you, uh, JVT, And you look at the analytics, like you mentioned the stats, it's funny because they, give out, they only gave up 17 points, but they gave up 452 yards, their worst allowance of the season to the Jaguars, and now having to go on the road, like you said, with Seattle – sort of catching their breath and finding their way uh, at home. I I think this is where – this is the
1: game the Giants get tripped up. Yeah, I think it's fair, Willie. I just – for me, when we're looking at it from, like, a, a market rating standpoint and whatnot, like, like, I would ask you, for example, right, like the New York Giants and the Arizona Cardinals, is there a big difference between those two teams? Because I would say probably not, and yet Seattle was catching two-and-a-half in that game at home, and now they're laying three against the New York Giants. Like, you're seeing that market shift here – and yep. with, two of the, like with both of these teams, I'm kind of at the point where I'm looking at it and going, okay, is the market overreacting to Seattle's like, victory against the Los Angeles Chargers, or are they still selling the New York Giants short? It's one of those games where I'm extremely torn with what we've seen.
0: Yeah, Giants, five comeback victories. Uh, third team ever to win five-plus games when trailing in the second half through their yep. first seven games of the season. Jets also off to a good start. They're 5-2 and two. ats Brees Hall, their running back out of Iowa State, tears the ACL. Jets are getting points next week against the Patriots. We'll see what the Pats do tonight. I don't want to get crazy and argue that a running back is worth, you know, four or five points, but Brees Hall really was valuable to him.
1: He was, but, like, you know, like you said, you you know that, Steve, right? Like, for example, Christian McCaffrey, I was talking with some folks – they would say that christian mccaffrey for the grand scheme of things is probably worth like a half point to maybe a point to the san francisco 49ers power rate so like Brees hall from an actual point perspective is going to be worth anything no uh, but he is extremely valuable and also by the way because he's a glamour position he's a skill position i don't want to rub salt in the moon well tucker also lost yep. for this team right so like that's kind of a big deal uh, for this offense and i would say this like the one thing that i think the difference between new york and new york the jets and the giants uh, is the fact that if you're pointing to something substantial for the Jets, it's the fact that their defense ranks among the best in the National Football League. Like, if you're looking at, I think they're ninth or tenth in EPA per play defensively uh, so far, the early portion of the season, they've played the run extremely well. Like, there's an actual strength to look at here. But then you look at this game against the Broncos, and you're like, 21 first downs to 10 in favor of the Broncos, 324 yards to 260. The only thing they really had advantage for them was 4.9 yards per play to 4.3. And that passing offense is still so anemic for the New York Jets. Again, in that game against the Broncos, I think 105 total passing yards. Uh, and like, that was net, you know, 121 total for Wilson if you disinclude the sacks. But, like, I just I look at the Jets. Their defense has kept them in a lot of these games, but they're going to run into an opponent that is going to be able to find some success, and then you're going to have to play catch-up. Is that the New England Patriots next week? I highly doubt it, but I would say that the Jets have something coming for them as well. I'm just not sure if it's going to be the New England Patriots with what you would assume would be the second consecutive start for Mac Jones, who we're going to see tonight.
0: Buccaneers lose. Panthers taking them out. That means that survivor got decimated again, circus survivor here in town. Um, now 300 entries left and I think what there's 175 tonight that are on the Patriots
1: yeah. yep well and I was I was actually I was on the wrong side of this but I was surprised the Raiders I think were the most supported team in the uh, survivor pool if I remember correctly uh, and they got that done but yeah like look I think that speaks more to what the what the masses think of the Chicago Bears uh, right than it does uh, what they believe in the New England Patriots and I'll say this guys like for somebody who and Steve you know this we've talked about this quite a bit I've kind of been on the like the bandwagon of Look, you know Belichick, not losing it, but he's definitely not as strong as he used to be. These last few weeks, he's kind of flexed his muscles a little bit, right? Shutting out, the, shutting out Dan Campbell and the New York, uh, excuse me, the, the Detroit Lions, uh, containing the Cleveland Browns' rushing attack and making Jacoby Brissett look like a fool, forcing him to commit five turnover-worthy plays in that game I, against some like one-dimensional and lesser opponents. Belichick still got it in him, and now you get Justin Fields in this really anemic and terrible offense that he gets to face here. I totally get it. Like, the market's been moving steadily in New England's favor tonight. Uh, There's really nothing I would tell you that would make me want to support the Chicago Bears uh, other than the fact that you're kind of just, like, missing out on the boat to support New England at this point. But, like, I've been kind of impressed with, uh, with New England and with Belichick the last three weeks. He's at least shown that against some lesser opponents, he can still do what he does best, which is just take away their biggest strength
0: quick note that just came across the Jets actually traded for uh, James Robinson from the Jaguars who had fallen out of favor there and Hien's done a pretty good job now taking over the gig. Uh, last one on the NFL looking ahead here, Ravens man, every game is just a freaking adventure and they had a hold on for dear life against the Browns yesterday. They're 2-4 and 1 ATS and now you got Thursday night football against the Ravens who are kind of inexplicable and the Bucks at home. Baltimore's one and a half
1: at Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like I think there's probably something to be said of like building these leads, right? Like like that's a positive. The question is just whether or not they're going to be able to hold on to it. But here's the thing, guys, and this is where like I keep talking about like the market, right? And and you're waiting for the market to adjust on certain teams, and I think we're finally seeing it. Tampa Bay laying 13, right, or whatever it was, it closed at depending on the shop that you w- that you look at uh, on Sundays. And they lose that game outright. And P.J. Walker looks great. He actually graded out extremely well by PFF standards. Had, a, like, I think it had four or five big-time throws. Looks really solid against Tampa Bay. And the market, until that game yesterday, refused to budge on its rating for the Buccaneers. Now we're finally starting to see it. There is a no world in which the Buccaneers, albeit like home field's not really worth anything at all in the NFL, maybe about one and a half points. But in no world before this season started would the Buccaneers be underdogs to anybody really at home, um, even the Baltimore Ravens. And here we are. They're they're laying or they're catching one and a half. I tend to think that barring anything dramatic coming down in the injury report throughout the week, that this is finally the buy low spot for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, home field's really not worth that much, but being able to play at home on a short week is an advantage, and I feel like we're finally starting to see the market turn against Tampa Bay, and it might be the spots to come in and support a final.
0: Speaking of home court in the NBA, what's
1: happening early on? So this I think this is fascinating. So I could actually I could give you numbers, Steve, and make a very, a very strong argument that you should actually be giving points uh, for the road teams so far through the NBA season. Uh, right now, home teams through 43 games, 21 and 22 straight up median result for home teams is a flat zero points uh, by average net rating and non garbage time minutes, something that cleaning the glass tracks. We're talking about a negative 0.4, so essentially home court teams have been outscored by about 0.4 points per 100 possessions at home so far. Look, it's a super small sample size, but it builds on something we saw last year. Uh, By the time the regular season finished, home court in the NBA was only worth 1.7 points. We are seeing in every single sport now travel. It's just not what it used to be. It is a lot easier to go into foreign environments and play football games, play basketball games and is extremely apparent now in the NBA. Really weak home court season last year, and it is setting up to be it yet again this year.
0: What do we do with the Lakers? Lakers this week, because yeah. it doesn't get easier. They're 0-3. They're shooting threes at a historically bad rate. They're at Nuggets, at Wolves, home Nuggets.
1: They could oh be God. 0-7. They could be 0-7. I know. I know. Uh, like, like, I, like, here, I, I think at some point, and I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, Westbrook got benched. It was only for the final three possessions of the game. Uh, But yesterday, with a one-point lead in 30 seconds on the clock and 20 on the shot clock, he goes down and chucks up a mid-range shot and then tells the media afterwards he was going for a two-for-one. The problem is you don't need to go for a two-for-one when you have the lead. Like, you want to bleed the clock out in that instance, not give the other team an opportunity and more time on the clock. So they eventually lose that game. uh, And Westbrook, again, as I mentioned, benched after that bad mid-range shot. I think maybe we start to see the turn here. And it's not all Russell Westbrook's fault. But, like, when you look at what happens when opposing centers are playing him and sagging off and just planting themselves in the paint and cutting off rolls to the basket, it's just not working at this point. And maybe that opens things up for this offense. But I think that's the first step, and I think we're finally starting to see it because Hammond had enough, and he benched him on Sunday. And I wonder if that's going to start to, you know, roll the ball down the hill essentially for Russell Westbrook and his diminished role for the Lakers.
0: John, what do you have coming up this week on VSEN?
1: Man, we got a lot. I just put up a new NBA uh, Harvard Handicappers podcast episode, uh, daily articles Monday through Monday. So it's going to be every single day. I'm on Saturdays and Sundays for the football shows, 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. Um, and Fridays at one p.m. So, yeah, everything everything in between.
0: All right, John. Thank you. See you soon. Good to
1: talk to you guys. Thank you. There he is,
0: John Tobel at me, JVT, up on Twitter. All right, what are we doing for this game? What are we like? Eight and a half, Patriots favored. Total is 40. 48. Playing it under,
2: I've already I've already played it under. I wouldn't lay eight eight and a half with this team. Okay, and I'm not taking it. And I'm
0: already in the survivor. So, good luck to you. I I hope you win. Twin Peaks Monday Night Football. Get on down here. Big beers under four bucks. Got select appetizers two, four, and six, and of course dozens of beautiful ladies serving that 29 degree beer with scenic views. We'll see you here on Eastern.